Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Hey, welcome. Glad you guys are with us this morning. Uh, what a beautiful morning. What a great day to celebrate all that God is doing in our lives. Hannah was on our screen. Hannah, newly married. She got married last Saturday. And uh, we have another newlywed couple here this morning. Mark and Carolyn, would you guys stand up? They, they got married two weeks ago. What an awesome thing. Go love on them. Go hug them. Give them your marital advice. And uh, yeah, they, they got married two weeks back. And then uh, Cameron and Alexis, where are you guys at? You can't get away from... There you are. There they are, right there. Getting married Mother's Day weekend. Say, what I was going to say, if they're not here today, somebody text them right now and say, this is not a good start. Well, good morning. Hey, uh, we are glad you're here. As Jeremiah mentioned, uh, we really want to make a big effort on these. Uh, We want to get lots of cards uh, for our prayer night. And again, as Jeremiah mentioned, it was a wonderful night uh, of gathering, and it's it's really a non-threatening kind of a situation. If you feel like, man, I don't want to go to a prayer meeting. What if I don't know what to say? We actually don't meet and pray together with one person sharing a prayer after another. Sometimes you can feel like you're at a competition of who could pray the most or pray the loudest or pray the, ooh, whether you get the, the Holy Spirit ABGBs, you know what I mean? Where you just go like, okay, I can't sound that awesome, so I'll just be quiet. Uh, we place cards all over the Campus Life Center. If you have a request, you feel like maybe it doesn't need to be like name-specific, but a situation you want to see God move in, uh, write it down. The cool thing that's been happening is that as I'm starting to hear just from our previous prayer night, of just seeing God move. God is moving uh, and wants to move in our lives. He says in his word, you have not because you ask not. What a shame it would be that you and I go without in this life, this side of heaven, because we just simply failed to say, God, I'm going to trust you for this situation in my life. So write those things down uh, and be sure to join us. If you are new to a, going to a prayer meeting, this is the best one for you to join us and, uh, and start out and get your feet wet. Uh, we're in our series, uh, Citizens of the Kingdom. This morning, we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Uh, through 16. The Sermon on the Mount, this is the greatest sermon that was ever proclaimed. Jesus, we believe, spoke this message several times. It's captured, though, in this amazing teaching in Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5, 6, and 7. And it's really about life in God's kingdom. If you and I regard Jesus as our king, this is how our lives begin to be lived out here on earth. Uh, It's a lofty uh, you know, ideal. When you read through the Sermon on the Mount, you just begin and it begins to talk about characteristics of, of, of citizens of God's kingdom. And you read through it and you realize, God, I really can't attain this. The Sermon on the Mount wasn't given to say, do this and you can be a Christian. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount really is, is, it raises this bar of, of a level of Christianity that drives us to Christ And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, it directs us in Christ. Like this is how you and I live our lives. We looked at the last uh, couple weeks. It began with the Beatitudes. These are eight unexpected situations that human beings find themselves in where they experience God's favor and his blessing. The first one sets forward uh, really how it is that you and I are to live. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That really answered the question for the disciples who are there and everyone who is listening. Who gets in the kingdom? The Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders? Jesus says the losers. 
Jesus says the tax collectors. Jesus says the prostitutes. And everyone who humbles himself recognizing that they have nothing to offer God. I would imagine that would be all of us here this morning. We say, Lord, we, are, we recognize we are poor in spirit. He says, blessed are those who mourn, to mourn over our sinful condition. It brings about a humility in our lives. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And, and then he mentions the fact that we hunger and thirst for God. And last week we approached the, the last four, which really kind of um, are the outflow of the fourth beatitude. When we hunger and thirst for God, all of a sudden these other blessings are a part of our lives. And then we looked at the reaction of the world. Sometimes we'll be persecuted. A person who lives their life in such a way where they're a citizen of God's kingdom, where he's directing their lives, not everybody responds in a favorable way. Jesus says, you'll be mocked, you might be persecuted, you certainly will be shamed for bearing the name of Jesus, but Jesus says, you are blessed. And then he moves to this next section. Verse 13 through 16, which we will be looking at this morning. Where Jesus says these words in verse 13, if you read along with me. He says, you are the light. Uh, excuse me. No, verse 13. Here we go. I need some more light. There we go. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Jesus continued and said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In this same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. You might have grown up singing a song, this little light of mine, what? I'm going to let it shine, right? Don't let Satan blow it out. That was like if you went to a cool church, they added more, more lines to it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. He talks about now moving to how the world reacts to really how uh, the Christian, the citizen of the kingdom, influences the world around us. And he brings up these, these, uh, these uh, word pictures in the minds of the disciples, salt and light, how a citizen of the kingdom will impact the world around them. Uh, how we relate to the world around us. And, and, and the descriptions are not just about like how you and I, uh, as followers of Christ, are salt and light. But it also gives us a little details about the world in which Jesus says, go and be the salt of the earth. Go and be the light of the world. The description would be that the world is corrupt. The world is rotten. The world is filled with darkness, and the longer this planet spins around, the worse it gets. You think about all the advancements that we have in the 21st century, things that which I'm extremely uh, glad for, right? Uh, I mean, back in the day, we would watch um, Star Trek, and, you know, they would, like, talk on their watch and stuff. And do you remember, like, uh, like the calculator came out on watches? You're like, oh, this is so awesome. If I ever need a calculator on my arm... I guess I could use it. And then you're just like, I can't push the buttons. They're tiny. I need like a needle point. Uh, you know, think about, I mean, and now you get, you know, I have, all my friends have these eye watches now and stuff like that. Like, sorry, he's still going, he's still talking, he's still talking. They check their emails on their, on their wrists and stuff. And think about all the other advancements that we have. 
uh, electric cars, we have medical advances, we have all kinds of things that you and I um, uh, appreciate and utilize on a, on a continued basis, scientific growth, and yet our world is more corrupt and our world is more dark as time goes on. We live in a day and age where Jesus said, go be salt, go be light, where our world's definition of right is actually wrong. And our world's definition of what's wrong is actually what is right and righteous. Our world tends towards evil. You think about the wars that are stirred up uh, around this globe. I'm not talking about just war situations uh, where there's, you know, stopping some evil dictator from, from advancing and destroying more and more lives. I'm just talking about just the, the general practice of our world is just filled with corruption. It's anything but what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. Our world tends towards evil. It's filled with hatred. It's filled with greed. You think about the value system of this world and those that rule this world for God's creation. You think about the pollution that is, you know, fills our world, you know, uh, all in the name of, of, of almighty dollar that we serve so gladly in this world. There's no value for the human soul. You think about just even the, the horrific situation of human trafficking uh, as an example. That slavery, slavery would continue in the 21st century. It's because there's money to be made. There's a profit to be made and had. Our world is corrupt, as Jesus says, if you're to be the salt. It's rotten. It's dark. It's in a downward spiral of immorality, corruption, and hopelessness. By the way, these are the very reasons why you and I should come out and pray that God would use our church, God would use our churches in this community to be just that, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You think about what you faced in high school. How many of you all are like 40 plus in this room tonight, today? You're like over 40, filled with wisdom, right? Filled with, you sit. Did Joe Smith not raise his hand? Dude, he ain't fooling everybody. We all know. You sit with our young people, those of you that are raising teenagers right now. Maybe you have a grandchild. You just go, okay, tell me what goes on in your school. Tell me the kinds of things that you're, uh, are, 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 are seeing and having to be, uh, you know, to deal with as a young person. It's absolutely insane. Our, the indictment that we read last week by God was Jeremiah 17, 9. He says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? God does. And here Jesus says, I want to establish my church, citizens of my kingdom that are going to live among, uh, amongst a rotten, corrupt, and dark world so that they can be the salt of the earth and they could be the light of the world. By the way, the gospel, the gospel message is the only hope for this world. And Jesus said, literally, you and you alone are the salt of the earth. He said, you and you alone, literally, are the light of the world. And then he sends us out into this corrupt, dark world. Jesus said this in John's gospel in his prayer to the Father it's been called the high priestly prayer because it's this beautiful prayer that Jesus prays over his disciples and even the future disciples, which would include us here in the 21st century. Jesus says, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world anymore than I do. 
Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And just as you sent me into this world, I'm sending them into the world. You know, there's been a lot of uh, discussion over the centuries of what does a Christian do? How do we relate to the world around us? Do we withdraw and move, you know, into the hills and, and build monasteries so that we could all, you know, like listen to Christian music and drink our Christian coffee and have our Christian donut holes? Jesus said, I want to send them out. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. Our Christian life was not meant to be lived within the four walls of a building where Christians gather, but to actually be meant to be lived out there. Not to withdraw, but to engage our culture as salt and light. And by the way, when Jesus said, you are salt, it was a description of what you are. It's a description of what I am, salt and light, before it has anything to do with what you and I do. We are the salt and the light, whether we're fulfilling that purpose or we're failing at it. And that's why Jesus mentions these things about hiding a light under a basket or, or, or salt losing its saltiness or its taste. So he begins this first analogy. You're the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Well, there's two things that salt's uh, important for in their day and certainly in ours. Is one is salt preserves. Jesus told his disciples this, this ordinary group of people, insignificant in the eyes of the world, but Jesus is in their life, they become salt and they become light. And it's a valuable commodity in their days. Uh, they would use it for trading, you know, things. It was used where they could actually use it for monetary, uh, you know, uh, you know, buying and selling and trading and whatnot. Uh, you've heard the statement, oh, he's not worth his salt, Right? It was a reference to the fact that the guy, uh, you shouldn't hire him, I think is what it meant. This word picture was that in that day, uh, salt was used for uh, preserving things. There was no refrigeration. That's a great thing, by the way, an advancement we have in our society. Well, in that day, if you were to say, hey, I'm going to go to uh, the meat market, and I'm going to get, you know, like some tri-tip to cut, you know, to cook up. And, and you cut off a piece of that beef and you go out there and you, you get your little smoker, you know, your little Traeger, pre-Traeger days. And, uh, and, you, and you cook it at 180 degrees, by the way, till it gets about 109 inside inter internal temp. And then you reverse sear it. I'm reading a lot of things on the internet, as you can tell, as a smoker now. And uh, lots of great advancements, Right. Uh, well, what am I do with this other piece? I don't want it to go to waste. So they would just cover it with salt so that bacteria would be killed and it would preserve that meat. Think about that kind of analogy that Jesus would use for us. As salt was a preserver in that day, he said the Christian, the citizen of the kingdom, is preserving a society from moving towards their state of, 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 of falling apart and rottenness to even worse. A Christian preserves against the evils of our world. How does that happen? That there's a, a Christian somewhere in our world that speaks out truth. There's a Christian in our world that speaks out against what's wrong and stands for what is right. You think about the organizations that have been started through the centuries that have brought aid to people no matter what their race their color of skin, their, their religious background. And there was a Christian whose heart was touched by God that saw a need and an organization began. 
When is, have you ever gone to a St. Atheist Hospital anywhere in the world? Right? I'm not saying that our atheist friends and neighbors you know, don't do good, whatever good that happens. I'm just saying that it was a Christian that began some organization that brought food and aid around the world. Defending and helping the forgotten ones, the poor in our world, those that can't help themselves. You think of organizations like Samaritan's Purse, or you think of uh, YWAM or Operation Mobilization as they would send mercy ships in in the middle of a disaster-torn area, whether that was because of war or because of of a disaster, you know, natural disaster or hurricanes or flooding or whatnot. That's what the salt of the earth does. you, You go and you be Jesus in an area, you make a difference. You preserve what's going on uh, in the world around them. Think about other re- uses of salt. Salt creates thirst. I was thinking about, did anyone grow up, anyone want, grow up watching Little Rascals? Like back in the day, if, if you wanted to watch like cartoons or something like that, you had to play sick. You had to stay home because like four channels, you know what I mean? And uh, Little Rascals came on around 10 o'clock in the morning, and I Love Lucy came on around 11, and then it got terrible. There was like all the soap operas. And that's when you're like, you know what, I'm feeling much better. I think I'm going to go play outside. And your mom comes home, you're like, oh, Lord, it's a Christmas miracle. Mom, I'm healed. (laughs) Next morning, you wake up with the same cough, but it came back. Obviously, God isn't done healing me. Uh, that, that, my, we wore my mom down, you know what I'm saying? Like, I stayed home 200 days a year if I wanted to. I could have. And, uh, but there was this one episode where the gang was all there, and they put on a big play, and Froggy was the only one in the community who wasn't in the play, and they, like, put a heater under him. They kept giving him saltine crackers because they were selling lemonade to make money. So the crackers were free, but the lemonade was for a cost. Did anyone see that episode or am I way going on the wrong way right now? I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you and you and you. <laughs> and then Froggy gets up and leaves because he doesn't have any money. Like, okay, that was a wasted episode. Salt creates thirst. And in a way, a Christian's life should create a thirst in a person who's around us. They say, what is different about your life? What makes you tick? How is it that you aren't falling apart with these things going on in your life? How do you have peace? Why do you have joy? How do you have hope for the future in such a chaotic kind of a world? The way you speak to your spouse, let's start there in front of other people. Or the way you speak about your husband or your wife when you're with your friends or your coworkers. And people say, man, I want to have a marriage like you, that you would talk like this, and, it, and it's not even being put out there on social media. You get no credit for it. She can't even hear you say these things. That's still a valid way to just live your life, by the way. Not everything has to go on there. And, and, and they say, God, I want, to, I want to have a marriage like that. You create a thirst. Like, what makes you guys different? Well, we're both followers of Jesus Christ. The way you work, the integrity that you have, those moments of opportunity to, to, to cheat your employer or to, or to, you know, cut corners, so to speak. But you work with integrity. Why, why would you make that decision? What makes you different? Uh, the way you play uh, uh, fairly on the athletic field or the way you work hard for your coach if you're still playing sports. 
the peace that you have, the joy you have, the outlook you have on life, the things that you don't do anymore in your life. And people look and say, man, what is making a difference in your life? It's crazy how, how, how God says, I want to use ordinary people who are insignificant in the world, and they're going to be the preserving influence in the society. By the way, everywhere where true Christianity has been lived out, life gets better for society. Everybody's life gets elevated because they're seen as people who are made in the image of God. I want to be careful to say where true Christianity was lived out. True citizens of the kingdom. We all have there are our example of those people who claim the, the, the name of Jesus, but certainly lived like the devil in our society, in our world. The difference a Christian can make as a salt of the earth. How do we lose our taste? You know, the whole purpose of salt is to be salty, right? You think about that. Like, you know what this soup needs? More of something that doesn't change the taste. What is wrong with this salt? It's lost its saltiness. What do you do with it? You throw it out. You get rid of it. And that was a common thing. The salt would become impure because of different minerals and whatnot, and they would just throw it out to be trampled on the street. How do we lose our saltiness as believers? You know, we can't be effective if, if we're living a life that is what we would call impure. Some of the things we talked about last week, having a singleness of mind. Jesus, I want to serve you with a pure heart, where it's an undivided heart. When, when we start living our lives closer and closer that match the world or that old life that you and I used to live, well, we lose our effectiveness. We're no longer hungering and thirsting for God. We're chasing after this world. We're living selfish lives. We become ineffective, so to speak. I think of a man named Demas that we read about in the Bible. He was a companion of the Apostle Paul. And we read about him, you know, throughout uh, the letters that Paul would write. Oh, Demas, he greets you. Oh, Demas says, what's up? And then there's this one time where Paul says this about Demas' life. He says, Demas, having loved this present world has forsaken me. Demas, it's somewhere his life started inching closer and closer to that old life, to this world, and his life was no longer effective. I, I don't have the, you know, I don't know what happened to Demas, uh, but that's not a good line to be written about you in the Bible. Would you agree? Like, oh, wait till Demas's mom hears that for all eternity. That's what was said about your son. Jesus says you're also the light of the world, you and you alone. This is an interesting one. Because Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. So how is it that Christians can be light? We might see that as more of like reflective light. Like the sun is a source of, of light in our world. If you guys saw the moon last night, the moon is just fully bright right now. Uh, I think they call that a fully bright moon or a full moon. Uh, it's because it is absorbing all the light of the sun. The moon has no light in and of itself, uh, but it reflects the sun. In a lot of ways, that's the way it is for a Christian. Christ is in our life. We have a new nature now because he indwells us by his Holy Spirit. And he says, you are the light of the world as well. You are the light of the world. Or because of our relationship to him, Jesus in our lives. And that light is to shine out even as that song to Sunday school kids across this globe, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And that's what happens when a Christian goes out and lives in a community. And a little light, by the way, goes a long way in dark times. Paul said this in Philippians about 
being the light. He says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Paul said in Ephesians to the church, he says, don't participate in the things these people do, for you were once full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of the light. And then Jesus gave the analogy, a city on a hill, it cannot be hidden. If you're meandering through the desert on some, you know, dark night where the moon is not bright, and you see a city that is just lit up, right, and it's just filled with lights, you go, you can't hide that, nor do you take a lamp and then put it in her basket. No, he said you put it on a stand so that it gives light to everybody in the room. That's what it, it, the, the meaning is, is that you and I are supposed to be effective and seen in this world. That people would, uh, on that, you know, salt sort of works behind the scenes, doesn't it, right? You, you really don't like see salt pop out of your soup like, hey, by the way, this is the reason it tastes good. It's because I'm in here. But it works underneath. It works, you know, sort of internally. And then, but, but, but light shines out. It's visible. And he says, live like people of the light. Let your light shine. The point is, it cannot be hidden. It's not supposed to be hidden. We're not secret ninja disciples. We're trying to make sure that nobody knows that we're Christians. Uh, I read a story about a, a young man who was going to a camp for summer. And uh, he was really concerned and nervous about it because it wasn't a Christian camp. So he went and met with his pastor, and the pastor prayed over him. And he came back. pastor said, hey, how was the camp? How did it go? He says, nobody found out. Right? Like, that was the goal. Nobody found out as a Christian, pastor. Like, okay, we got to work on that next year. The way you live. How you and I live in this world. The things that you and I value in this world. Our good deeds, as Jesus said. And he says, you live your life in such a way, you know, by the way, when you read through Matthew chapter 5 and you look at verse 3 through 10, you look at the Beatitudes and you say, Lord, these aren't a reality for me 24-7, but Lord, I want to see these things emerging in my life. I want to be a man that is is mourning over my my condition. I want to be a person who's meek. I want to be a person who's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I want to be merciful. I want to I live my life as, as Jesus lived his life. And what will happen is, is that a, a man or a woman who's, who, who is, our, is our mission statement, where knowing Jesus is your primary goal in life, you'll begin to sort of live like him. And you'll see a need at work. And it won't be this like opportunity to go sign up to meet a need at work. It will just be there's someone who has a need. I'm going to go make that, you know, fix that situation for them. I'm going to go spend time with that person who needs a shoulder to cry on. I'm going to take care of a situation for someone who's in some financial, uh, you know, problems right now. Your good deeds, it says that people will see and they will glorify God. Now there's a way to do good deeds and draw attention to ourselves. Why is it that we want attention about these things. Oh, what a great guy. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so did? Man, what an incredible human being. I I know one pastor who um, used to go surf in Huntington Beach, and the guys that worked for PG&E, they would drive in the mornings. It would be all kind of foggy and stuff, and they would all leave their lights on. You know, the worst thing in the world is, uh, you know, we have like our fog. You leave your lights on. You go outside. You can't start your car. It's like, oh, persecution. Like struggle. 
uh, I think they call that first world problems, right? And, uh, and so what he would do is he would go and turn their lights off for them. Breaking and entering, I think we call that in our day and age. But he would go in there, call, turn the lights off, turn the lights off. And he says, you know what would be great is these people just to know how, what a great guy I am. I feel like I should leave a note on their car. Like, hey, by the way, the reason why you have a car that starts is because I'm such a great guy. I live right across the street, by the way. There's something about us that we want to do that. Jesus is going to address that in chapter 6 about doing our deeds so that others can see us and applaud us. He says they see, they see you living like Jesus and they look to God. And they praise, your, glorify our Father in heaven. Anytime Jesus did a miracle, touched somebody and they were healed, it says they departed and they glorified God. They departed and they glorified God. Things for you and I to do in this world where people would say, man, what a father they have. What an incredible father they must have because they're living like that. What does light do? Well, light reveals truth, for one. Right? Light tells you the truth. Have you ever gotten dressed in the dark? And you step into the light. And light's like, no. This, no, this does not work. I do remember uh, one day at Clovis West as a sophomore in high school. This is where the wounds happen. <laughs> I, I, I thought this looked really good, by the way. I, uh, I put on royal blue pants. Um, and then I wore a, a mint green sweater. And I remember these two girls came up to me and said, wow, your outfit looks so cute. You look really great today, Gordon. I was just like, oh, man, it's finally happening. You know what I mean? I'm getting noticed here on campus. And, uh, and then like six months later, I see these two girls. They're friends of mine. I should defriend them today on Facebook, I think, now I think about this. And, uh, yeah, one was Nancy and one was Jennifer. I'm not going to give you last names in case you went to C-Dub. And uh, you can call them out for it. Actually, at my 20-year class reunion, I actually told them about the story. So I let it go. Like, I was like, you know what? It's time. I just need to let this go. And, uh, and I hear them giggling and laughing, and then I hear these words, royal blue and mint green. I'm like, they wouldn't be laughing at this outfit that they said I looked so good in a couple months back, would they? Yes, they were. You see, if I had a good light in my closet... I would have known. No, I wouldn't have. <laughs> I had three older brothers and a mom who could care less on what I looked like when I left home. Nonetheless, now I have a wife who dresses me, so if you ever think like, oh, that's a cool shirt, just know, Tammy. <laughs> Everything good about my life is Tammy. Oh, look at that. Not even Mother's Day or our anniversary. <laughs> Somebody put that on social media right now. I can't believe this. What a great guy he is. What a great husband. Light reveals. <laughs> Jesus arrived. You know what he did? He was light in this world. He exposed the darkness of this world. This world thinks that it can be religious enough to earn God's favor. This world thinks that there are things that you can build in your life. Religion. Do more good things and God will earn, you will earn God's favor. And Jesus arrived as light of the world and said this world is filled with corruption and darkness and sin. And there's nothing you can do to earn God's righteousness. And he exposed the truth as light does. Light reveals all the flaws. Uh, reveals God's true righteousness and what it truly means to be righteous. Paul, before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, 
as he told his story of how he became a Christian and a follower of Jesus, he told the king, he said, God told me these words, I'm sending you to open the eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people. That's the light that we're supposed to shine. The gospel message. And the gospel reveals the truth of our real condition. This is what's really going on. These are the lies that you have believed. That's what the gospel does. That's what a Christian does, shines light on reality and truth. This is what is really wrong with our world. It is sin. And by the way, there's no change in a person's life without coming to that conclusion that human beings are sinners and sin is the reason for the cross. We're lost, we're hopeless. Who else is there, by the way, that will reveal this kind of truth to our world if not the Christian who's the salt and the light? Think about all the voices that we have in our world, all the voices for good and, you know, and, 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 and doing good things in our world. But those voices, they cry out that you're okay and that I'm okay and, and go and find yourself. And the gospel says, Go and lose your life. But that's when you really find it. You know, when someone comes into a church and, and they hear from, you know, the Bible or they hear from somebody speaking saying, hey, you know what, you're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. Okay? And like, hey, man, listen, dude. There's a whole mess of crap happening inside of me internally. I started talking to my friends about, like, there's something really wrong inside. And they told me I should go to church. I woke up with a hangover this morning. I'm speaking right now as if, do you, what do you call that kind of speech? I'm not confessing anything right now to you. <laughs> hypothetically, thank you very much. Anything that might look bad about me is all hypothetical up here. I woke up with a hangover this morning to come here to see how I can get this fixed. Don't tell me I'm okay. That's the problem of humanity, is that we're not okay. And you look through the corridor of time, and you see a perfect man who lived an amazing life, hanging naked on a cross before his own mother and the world around him, and the cross is screaming, you're not okay. Okay? That's why Jesus had to die, is that I got a mess inside here, and I'm not okay. And that's what light does. And some people get irked, but guess what? Millions of people have found hope in Jesus because someone wasn't afraid to let their little light shine. It does reveal the truth. Some people even speak on, beha on behalf of God these voices of influence in our world. And they say that one side of the truth, yes, God is love, but guess what? Again, God is a God of wrath, and sin had to be judged. And that's, again, why we have a bloody cross with a perfect Savior hanging on it. The gospel makes a person face the reality they need a Savior. You know, it was 30 years ago today, I was thinking about this yesterday, 30 years ago today, at the end of the Clovis Rodeo, where I was on Clovis Avenue at a Beacon gas station, pumping gas in my 1979 Celica hatchback. 
I paid about 96 cents a gallon. I just got off work from BJ's World of Iron. And the last thing I want to do, I did wake up with a hangover on that day. So let's just get the truth right out there. I worked from 10 to 4, pumping gas, and there's this guy who comes up to me. And he asks me a question. Young man, when you die, are you going to go to heaven? And, and I just thought to myself, these freaking Clovis people and their rodeos, what is going on? I'm Fresno, man. Like, do, I, do I have a sign on me that says, like, hey, come and mess with me today? I'm, I'm going to get across Willow. Just let me be, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, of course I'm going to go to heaven. Who asks a stupid question like that? And then he asked me, are you born again? So he, he wasn't afraid to dialogue with me. I'm like going, ugh, so uncomfortable right now. I went and complained to the guy inside. I'm like, this is going to be bad for business. He's like, gas is 96 cents a gallon. This is not going to be bad for business right now. And I'm telling you what, I blew that off, and that light just began to shine brighter and brighter. I know it's scary to talk about Jesus with our friends, but the last thing that a friend of ours needs to hear out of our mouth if they're not born again is it's okay. Everything is okay. I'm not saying every conversation is, so what are you going to do with Jesus who is called the Christ? I'm just saying that hearing that everything's okay when the last thing is that they're okay, is that they need Jesus. Light reveals, you know what else light does? It points the way out. That's the awesome thing. You're again stuck in the dark, and then someone's got a little light. You're just like, man, thank you for letting that light shine. Um, Tam and I did a little hike last summer, took some beautiful pictures. I left my phone down where we took these beautiful pictures. I'm like, babe, if you run, you could probably get there before dark. <laughs> and say that. I'm like, if you see a bear, you got to do this, because right, they're very scared of you if you like, act like you're bigger and stronger than them. And in 30 minutes, if you're not back, I'll call. No, I didn't. Do that. So I went down there. Dude, I couldn't see anything. I'm like, where is my phone? It's an iPhone 6. Who cares? It's like 14 generations back. But I got it. Is this guy came over, and he had one too. And he flipped it up, and there's a little light. We found it. And then we made our way back, and I told him, guys, if you see a bear, ah. A little light, man, goes a long ways. Light reveals the way out. It points to him. By the way, gang, the church exists to preach Jesus, the gospel, not politics. Yes, go out and vote. We got, a, we got an election coming up in the month of June for, like, judges and stuff, right? Go vote. I can't say anything, I don't think, legally from the stage, but there's people I want you to vote for, but it's just because I'm friends with them, and they would do a really good job. We point to Jesus. Guys, listen, serve, pay your taxes, go vote, but this is what RVC exists for. This is what Clovis Hills exists for. This is what all the million well campuses exist for in our community, people's church, every gospel preaching and believing church. We are preaching Jesus because that's where the hope is. Amen? We point them to the way. This is how you can come out. Evangelism. You build bridges with people, not blow them up. You don't need to go annihilate your friends with all the scripture you know. Listen to them. Get to know somebody. Hear their story. 
How, how did you come to these beliefs? Sit down with a person and say, hey, can you and I just wrestle with the claims of Jesus together? There's no judgment on my part. You and I will be friends. I will love you till the day you die, even if you stiff-arm Jesus your entire life. Because it's what we do. We care for people. We love people. You speak in a way that they can understand. You get to know them. Who are you building a bridge with right now into their life? Who are you building a bridge into their world where you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world? Is there anybody right now in your life you're seeking, saying, God, I want to have an influence in their life. I want to see them come to know you in a personal way. It happens through you and I doing deeds that glorify our Father in heaven and shining a light, communicating the gospel, revealing truth about our sin, but the truth about the way out, it reveals hope. That's what light does. We shine. By the way, just like the moon, we shine brighter when this world is out of our way. The moon is filled with light and brightness when the earth is just completely removed. I think that's a beautiful analogy about the Christian life. When the world in your life and in my life, where it's not crowding in on me and I'm not still trying to live amongst it as if I'm a part of it, but when it starts getting farther and farther away from me, you and I shine brighter and brighter with more humility in the way that Jesus shined when he walked among us on this earth. You are the salt and the light in your world as a citizen of God's kingdom. In fact, you may be the only representation of Jesus among your friends, your classmates, your teammates, your coworkers, your gym mates. If that were true, they will form an opinion about God and Jesus based on what they see in your life and my life. That's a little scary, isn't it? My encouragement to you is to walk closely with Jesus. Get to know him and your life will begin to resemble him more and more in, in, in this world. This world is corrupt. It is dark. And God is sending you out and me out to effect change. What can one do, though? What can one do? Well, one can befriend an outcast at school. One can help a neighbor who's in need. One can meet up with someone at a cafe to share the gospel and answer their questions. One person can impact a life and change it forever for all eternity by just saying, God, I can't do it all, but I can be one who's salt of the earth, one who will shine as the light of the world. I read this quote, and I'm going to leave it with you, where it says, I am only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And the something I ought to do, I can do, and by the grace of God, I will do. What's your next step this week? You know, our connection card this morning, on the, on the other side of it, we've got just some, some uh, opportunities for you and I to take a next step. The middle one. Maybe your next step today is to say, God, this week I'm going to pray every day that you will give me courage to be the salt and the light. If that's your next step, man, fill in that bubble. Drop it in on the connection box so we can be praying for each other that we could be the salt and the light to courageously be the salt and the light. Asking God, what practical things can you do at work or in your community to be just that, the salt and the light? What is one way that you can shine as a light in your community this week? Maybe this morning you recognize that you need Jesus in your life. 
Maybe today's a day that you say, God, I recognize today that I actually am not a follower of yours. I don't have a relationship with God. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus came to this world to save sinners. And that includes you, and that includes me. And he wants you to know his love. He wants you to know his forgiveness. He wants you to know that he died for you and that you cannot save yourself. There's no amount of good that you could ever do in this world to cancel out your bad or your sin. That's why we need a Savior. How do you become a part of God's kingdom? How do you become a Christian or a follower of Jesus? By what the first beatitude says, recognizing your poverty spiritually. God, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I cannot earn your love or your salvation. Today you can know God, you can have your sins forgiven, you can know that God loves you, that he died for you, and he offers you eternal life and salvation. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he says, I will come in and I will eat with him. It was this, it was this picture of what it means to be saved, to have a relationship with God by faith. Maybe today you say, God, I, I, want, I want that. I want my sins forgiven. I want a relationship with God. How does that happen? Well, just a few moments, we're going to pray, and I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. But you this morning, if that's you, you realize that you're a sinner. Today you recognize that Jesus died on the cross for you, and you choose to repent of your sin, meaning that you're going this way away from God, but you're going to choose to turn around and go directly towards him and receive his forgiveness, and you receive Jesus Christ into your life. If that's you, we're going to pray. And if you want Jesus in your life, I want to give you an opportunity right where you're sitting. We'll tell God together what you want him to do in your life. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your love, God, and your grace. And Lord, thank you for giving us this beautiful passage about our influence in this world. And Lord, my hope and prayer is that each and every one of us would leave today being salt and light. I also pray for my friends that have gathered. God, there might be one man, one woman, God, there might be multiple people today who recognize their need for a Savior. And Lord, right now, your Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart, knocking on the door of their heart, as it were. And Lord, their job is to decide if they're going to open it or not. Lord, would you reveal your love to them today? Would you expose their desperate need they have for a Savior? That they too might have their sins forgiven begin a relationship with you by faith. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you want to say, hey, Gordon, would you pray for me? Today I want to ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. If that's you, I want you to simply lift your hand up high enough so I can see it and hold it in place. And we're going to tell God together what you want him to do in your life. God bless you. Anybody else this morning, you want to invite Jesus Christ to be your Savior. God bless you. Anybody else? Maybe you've walked away from him. Maybe today is a day that God is calling you to, to, to come back to him, to live your life for him. Anybody else? Maybe that's you this morning. You want to come back to him. You want to commit your life to Jesus. You want to be a follower of his. Anybody else? God bless you. And he loves each and every one of you this morning. has an incredible life for you to live as a citizen of his kingdom. Listen, for those of you that want Jesus in your life, you pray something like this after me. I'm going to pray out loud. You pray this in your heart. And after we do, you let us know that you made that decision because we want to give you some, some tools that will help you grow as a Christian. But would you pray with me now? Pray after me now. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, today 
I recognize that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I believe you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. I trust you and I follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, I just want to say welcome to those you guys. Just pray that prayer. It's awesome. What a great day. Let's all stand this morning. For those of you that prayed that prayer, man, we want to give you some tools. Uh, mark it down on the connection card. It's really important. For all of us this morning, we've got prayer opportunities. Jesse's going to lead us in that song again. That What a beautiful song to come to the altar, man, and, and have the Father's arms open wide for us. Let's sing that again this morning. And if you need prayer, there's folks both sides to pray with you. God bless you. Let's worship the Lord through singing.